Throughout the years, I've often heard leadership experts say this, the position doesn't make the leader, the leader makes the position. But is this just for corporate leadership or does it also apply to the kingdom of God? Stay tuned to find out. Welcome to the Thriving on Purpose podcast, hosted by certified coaches Elizabeth and Sebastian Richard. Elizabeth is a Christian life and leadership coach, branding consultant, and busy mompreneur. Sebastian is a Christian speaker, Bible teacher, author, and leadership expert. Together, they help today's committed believers to dig deeper in their knowledge and walk with God in order for them to grow and climb higher in life and leadership. If you want to dig even deeper, make sure to visit thrivingonpurpose.com for more free resources and content. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Thriving on Purpose podcast. And today's episode is really special because it is episode 50. So we've been doing this for over a year now and we've reached our 50th episode. So we've prepared something pretty, pretty good for you guys. It's going to be a, a, a meatier podcast, a little longer, but very, very good content. Uh, so we titled it The Five Ways to Fill Your Position as a Kingdom Citizen. So, Sebastian, do you yeah. want to explain? Well, first of all, yeah, we're excited because this is the 50th episode, like you just said, and uh, it's a landmark. It's special. I'm, I'm psyched. We have a new intro. We hope you guys enjoyed our new intro. We really worked hard on that, and we're just excited to share it with you guys. This is the new, I wouldn't say new direction, but maybe the new flavor uh, that, that we're given Thriving on Purpose, and uh, this is really cool. Um, <laughs> we really brainstormed over that one. So the other day, I was driving and thinking at the same time. By the way, uh, this is only for experienced drivers. Don't drive and think if you're not experienced enough to do that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> but anyway, I was driving and thinking, and uh, th that quote at the beginning that I uh, mentioned, the position doesn't make the leader. The leader makes the position. I've heard a lot of leadership experts say that throughout the years. John Maxwell has said that quite a few times. And it's a very good quote because it's so true. But then my mind shifted to our position as kingdom citizens. I thought about how God has given us, through faith, the highest positions that could ever be conferred upon human beings. Let's just go through a shortened list of how God has positioned us through Jesus Christ. Liz? So the Bible says we are a new creation. We read in 2 Corinthians chapter 5:17, "Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, Behold, the new has come. Amen to that. The Bible also says we are a holy people. In 1 Peter 2.9, we read, 
But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We are his children. In uh, John chapter 1, verse 12, we read, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And the Bible also says in Romans 8.17 that we are his inheritors. The verse says, And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. We are his workmanship. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. And the Bible also says in 2 Corinthians 5.20 that we are his ambassadors. And I love that title, that position that he's conferred upon us. And the verse says, We are therefore... Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. I could go on and on, and so could Liz, because there are so many more passages that speak of our unmerited and yet exalted positions. But I think that I'm making my point. I think that the, the examples we gave will suffice. The point is this. As believers, we were given positions of tremendous authority and leadership. And now, the question is this, what are you going to do about it? How can we live up to this reality? Amen to that. Remember what we said in the beginning, the position doesn't make the leader, but the leader makes the position. Now, in corporate settings, what expression do we use when a new position becomes available? We say that we need to... Fill the new position. Fill the new position, right? And then we advertise it in, in, uh, online or in the newspapers to try to fill that position. And when someone gets hired, we say the position has been... Filled. Implying that something empty has been filled. Also, when we put on clothes, we fill them. In Romans chapter 13, verse 14, Paul admonishes us to put on the Lord Jesus Christ, right? As believers, we are given these tremendous positions. Now, we are required to Fill the position. We need to fill its every nook and cranny by becoming more and more what the position entails. We need to grow into it in order to fill it up with all of God's glorious goodness and everything that he's given us. It needs to shine through. So this means that since I am a child of God, I need to behave as a child of God. 
since I am a new creation, I need to behave not like the old man before I came to know Christ, but as the new man, as a new creation. Since I am holy, because he has made me holy, I need to walk daily in holiness. Since I am an heir, I need to think as someone who has no lack. I'm an heir of God, the Almighty King. Since I'm an ambassador, I need to walk as an ambassador. So, as believers, we are automatically granted a powerful leadership position and authority upon the earth. And the mandate of our lives then becomes to grow more and more into the likeness of Christ and thus justify the position. You see, in the corporate world, people get promotions based on their performance. Christianity operates in reverse. We get the position without merit, and then we are called to fill it by doing the works God prepared in advance and in accordance with the position. So, here are five steps for believers to follow. And I, I know it was a long introduction. I'm sorry about that because <laughs> I really wanted to build up to it because this is a, I'm taking a, a well-known leadership saying and, I, and I'm kind of like kingdomizing it, if, if, you would, if you allow me this term. So, here are five steps for believers to follow if they are to fill their position in Christ or at least aim to do so. And, and before we begin, I just want to clarify something, okay? I want to make this clear. We will never be good enough to perfectly fill the position we were freely given by grace. Okay, I want to make that clear. However, we must do our best in order to someday be told, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. I mean, every believer, every single one of us wants to hear those words someday. At least I hope. If you're listening to this podcast and you're like, ah, I don't really care if he says that. or I mean, I'm just, I'm just going to live my life and then get to heaven by grace and uh, have the doors of heaven close in my back and that'll be just good for me. Well, if you're thinking like that, you're, 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 you're really not... You're not on the think, right podcast. You're not on the right <laughs> podcast and, and you don't have God's perspective on what you're about, okay? But you could still listen. You might learn a few things. <laughs> That's okay. So it, anyway, we're going to start with the, the five things that you need to do, okay? Number one, Liz? Become a worshiper. Become a worshiper. One of the best ways to increase in faith and efficiency as a believer is to constantly worship God. And I'll be honest with you guys, I'll level with you. That is something that I struggle with a lot at times, okay? I, I, am, I'm, I have my way of worshiping God, but my way is limited. And uh, I need to learn to become this 
<laughs> I, I, I need to develop this bent more. I, I really need to work on that because I know that by not working on that, it's hindering so much in my life. And it's not just me. It's for everybody. We all need to be worshipers, okay? And, and I want to make this clear too. In worshiping God, worshiping God can take many different forms. And I know a lot of us think, you know, well, I thought it was only by, by singing or worshiping and, and singing and music. And you know what? There's more to worshiping God than just singing. That's one part. That's definitely something. I mean, if you, when you're singing, you're really getting in tune. But you know what? Everybody's different. And not everybody connects with God the same way. In the same way that human beings have the, uh, the five love languages, we all have our quote-unquote love language towards God, our worship language, I guess you could say. And Liz, you wanted to say something. I'm yeah, sorry. And um, that's very true. And I wanted to add, there's a lot of Christians that think that the only time they're to worship God is on Sunday when they go to church. And every other time of the week, they don't even think of that as a notion, as something that they're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. And yet, when you think of what we're going to do in heaven, we'll be worshiping God constantly. It's a, it's really It'll be like oxygen. It's going to be the air we breathe will be worship. Exactly. And it's, it's very vital to a, a lot of components in your daily walk with Christ. So um, it's very important for you guys to understand this first, uh, first point. So Sebastian. Worship, yeah. Worship is the oxygen of the believer. Yeah. And in his fantastic book titled Sacred Pathways, Gary Thomas demonstrates nine different ways people worship God. So he identified nine ways Everybody, you and me and others, worship God. And it's a very eye-opening and highly recommended book for all of you guys. It really helped me to, I guess you could say, ease my guilt. Uh, I was not in, in, into the musical aspect of worship too much. There's nothing wrong with that, of course. I love, I mean, I think it's a great way to worship God. A lot of people really get into it on Sunday mornings when the, the music's playing out. But I always had a hard time getting into it. And as a result, I always felt guilty. I always felt like, well, that guy next to me who's in almost in ecstasy with the arms in the air and the eyes closed and tears flowing down his cheeks, he's really worshiping. I'm a bad, bad worshiper. And I wanted to slap my own hand going, bad, bad worshiper. You're not good. And I felt guilty over it until I read the book by Gary Thomas. So I'm just going to give you guys very, very quickly the nine types of worship. Uh, and, and Liz and I are just going to alternate in, in, in um, naming those nine types. So I'm going to go with the first one. The first one is called the naturalists. The naturalists love God outdoors. These people worship in the midst of God's creation. They celebrate His majesty and discover spiritual truths through nature. I'm a little bit like that. I'm a little bit of a geek when I go out in nature. I geek out. I'm like, oh, look at this tree, or oh, look at this insect. Isn't it amazing that God created that? Or, wow, look at this beautiful river. And I, and, Look at and, the green and the leaves. Isn't and, that a perfect green? <laughs> isn't that a perfect green that not even any, like, even the best artist on earth cannot come up with that color? And, and I annoy Liz when we're out in nature because that's not her way of worshiping God. But that's fine. That's just one of my ways. Liz, go with number two. 
Well, I like worshiping God in nature, but not to the extent you do. <laughs> I know, I'm a little bit of a geek with that. So, uh, the second type of worship is sensates. Love God through their senses. These people worship through sensual experiences, sights like art, sounds, music, smells. So, some people will develop beautiful works of art that are spiritual in nature. They see things and... Um, you know, it's like God speaks it's through to them. their senses, like yeah. sensates. It says it right through their yeah. senses. So they're very. Well, I don't like using that word because we associate it in a, in a negative way. But they're sensual in their worship of God because they use their senses. Okay. Number three is the traditionalists. The traditionalist loves God through religious ritual and symbols. These people worship through traditions and sacraments of the church. They believe structure, repetition, and a certain rigidity, like weekly litur liturgy, leads to deeper understanding of God and faith. They, they feel at, in a great connection with God through these rituals and um, their traditions, I guess you could say. The fourth type of worship is the ascetics. They love God in solitude and simplicity. These people worship through prayer and quiet time and the absence of all outside noise and distraction. The number five are activists. They love God through confrontation, believe it or not, fighting for godly principles and values. And I've met a lot of these passionate Christians and they're very interesting. They worship through their dedication to and participation in God's truth about social and causes that have to do with God's justice. For them, that's their way to connect with God. That's how they feel that they're worshiping God. Number six, caregivers. So these people love God by serving others and worship by giving of themselves. They may nurse the sick and disabled, uh, they they want to adopt a child. Uh, oftentimes, they're the type of people that will have ministries to take care of prisoners or teach them about God. They donate time at shelters. So they're oftentimes implicated in different uh, missions, different things that the church organizes. Caring for the, the, the needs of people. Right. Yeah. Number seven are the enthusiasts who love God through mystery and celebration. These people worship with outward displays of passion and enthusiasm. They love God with gusto, you know, like the guy I was uh, talking about earlier, uh, that I've never met, obviously, but the, the, the guy in church who's, who's like worshiping his hands in the air and tears flowing down his cheeks. It's like passionate, you know, he's an enthusiast. Number eight, contemplatives love god through adoration these people worship by their attentiveness deep love and intimacy they have an active prayer life yeah and these are the types who are going to get up at four o'clock in the morning spend two hours in prayer and then tell you oh i didn't spend much time in prayer today these are those types the contemplatives okay or like in bible college they got up at five o'clock in the morning and study and read their Bibles before we actually had our quiet time to read our Bibles 
and then we'd go and study for four hours about the Bible. Wow, that now that's contemplative. So yeah, that was intense. There weren't that many of them either. <laughs> <laughs> to each his own, Lizzie. Number nine, the intellectuals. They love God with their mind. And when I read that, I was like, oh, so I do worship God. That's one of my ways. I, I got the nature thing going. I'm a naturalist intellectual. Uh, so the description of, of the intellectual is their hearts are opened up to a new attentiveness when they understand something new about God. These people worship through intense study, apologetics, and intellectual pursuits of their faith. Now, these are the nine. We, des we described to you the nine. I, I hope you guys got a really a, a thrill out of that. For me, it was, it was a great revelation. It was like, oh, so I, I'm not a, a, a lousy worshiper. I do have a way of worshiping. But that said, I still need to improve in, in, in certain other ways of worshiping God. So if you, if you didn't get all of this, no worries. We'll post a link to, these, uh, to the fantastic book by, uh, by Gary Thomas in the, uh, the show notes for episode 50. So you can just click on the link. But the heart of worship is this, getting a deeper sense of God's majesty, power, and attributes. That's what I have found. When I meditate on these things, when I take the time to think about God's majesty, his power, and his attributes, that's when I really get a glimpse of worship, of true worship. The more you consider and verbalize the sheer glory and grandeur of God, the more confident you will become in your service of Him. Here's how this works. The more I worship God with my lips, the more I am in awe of Him. And the more I am in awe of Him, the less I fret over my circumstances and the more confident I become in his all-sufficient power to give me grace to face anything in my earthly assignment. I know that's a mouthful, <laughs> but, but I hope you guys got this. Actually, maybe I should repeat it. Liz, would you, do you think you could, you could repeat that or should I repeat it? The more I worship God with my lips, the more I am in awe of Him. The more I am in awe of Him, the less I fret over my circumstances, and the more confident I become in His all-sufficient power to give me grace to face anything in my assignment. Amen. So yeah. <clears throat> I think what I've learned from worshiping, and you know, I was raised in Pentecostal environment, so we worshiped a lot in church. It was a very big part of the church service and uh, I listened to a lot of worship music at home and that was that was my way of worshiping God through listening to music and my mom did the same thing and it's like the way I was raised but worshiping and singing to God and worshiping in a way that you're you know describing how you see him and how holy he is there's there's something that's very different about that mm. and it really makes you see how big he is and the connection is stronger and i've i i've experienced more of a connection with him in a spiritual way and also have seen more of him in my life more answers to prayer more yeah. 
uh, more things that I'm like, oh, wow, like, you know, that's a God thing. Like, I know it's because of God, right? When you see how big your God is, you will realize how small your problems are. I'll finish with this for the worship part. It's a, it's a big part because I think it's the it's the ignition. It's the it's the spark. It's 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 what's gonna give fuel to everything else. Worship will kindle the initial spark you need to fire you up to fill your position. Which brings us to point number two. Number two is be intentional about your growth. So growth doesn't just happen. Growth, whether spiritual, personal, or even physical, is always preceded by some form of intentionality. If you're going to fill the position God has given you, which is bigger than you, you will need to grow into it. Amen to that. As with all else, God has provided us with everything we need to grow into the positions He's given us. He doesn't expect us to just automatically grow. For starters, we have the Holy Spirit, we have the Scriptures, and we have one another. And this is what the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 to 13. Would you read that list, please? He himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Yeah, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's what God wants us to grow into. Therefore, this requires a decision on your part. He's given us the ingredients we need. He's given us everything we need to grow. But if we don't pursue it, if we don't, like he's given us the Holy Spirit. So we need to cultivate that relationship with God through the Holy Spirit. He's given us the scriptures. If you don't read your Bible and it's just gathering dust, well, guess what? You're not growing. Uh, He's given us one another. So if we neglect contact with other believers who will edify us, like the, the Bible says that iron sharpens iron, so the brothers sharpen each other, right? So all these things were given to us for us to grow. And he's given, us, he's, he's given all these gifts to the body of Christ. Like uh, Paul says, apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers. I mean, we've been given so much. And it's all intended for us to grow the stature of Christ. So we have to be intentional about our growth. That's number two. Which brings us to number three, be a servant leader. So many times on this podcast, we've emphasized the importance of becoming servant leaders. The command is not one of men, but one that was taught by the Lord Jesus to his apostles when he said, whoever wants to become great among you shall be your servant. And we read that in Matthew uh, chapter 20th, uh, verse 26. Guys, make no mistake about it. Kingdom leadership is servant leadership. They are one and the same. And depending on your religious background, 
some will teach kingdom leadership in, in perhaps more Pentecostal settings or charismatic settings. And in, in maybe more conservative settings, depending on the religion, they'll teach servant leadership. They are one and the same. And, and that's something you need to come to terms with. So serve others to the best of your ability and with the gifts the Holy Spirit, the spiritual gifts that God has given you. I really like a quote by John Wesley in the direction of uh, servant leadership. He said this, John Wesley said this, Do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as you ever can. Now that just described kingdom servant leadership. It is, you don't retire from that. Right. You're not going to get to a point in your life and say, oh, well, I'm just going to retire from uh, kingdom life now. I've, I'm 75 and uh, I've had enough. I've done enough of this. That's why you see so many great men that are so passionate about teaching God's word, you know, do it till till the end yeah. you know because there's so much for in their minds there's like so much as still needs to be given to pour it out to people until god takes them away and so they don't you know when you think with a kingdom mindset you don't have this retirement mentality where you're like okay i'm gonna take my retirement i'm just gonna go golf and go to the beach and do nothing else for the rest of my life you know yeah. they they have this passion this vision and uh, it just overflows and it's just never enough because they're always digging into God's word, always learning more and always sharing more. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's an all-consuming passion. I mean, God should be our all-consuming passion. And uh, speaking of no retirement, uh, there was a beloved sister in Christ. Her name was Pat Holiday, And I learned uh, this week of her passing. She was a deliverance minister and she was 83 years old. She had a podcast. She helped people get deliverance in the name of Jesus on her podcast every week. She was 83. And then she got sick and went to the hospital and died not long after. But the point is, she never, ever stopped. She wrote, I don't know how many self-published books, and she was very active. Very, very she active had, till the end. She had a passion, a passion to help people find deliverance in the name of Jesus. Um, so yeah, I was kind of saddened by, by that, but uh, I think she's a great example. And there are so many others. I mean, I, I, you probably know a ton of people that, that you've seen who love God with a passion and a zeal and who are 75, maybe even 80 or 85, who serve God every day. Who don't, who don't quit on that. And uh, as a servant leader, you know, the position we were talking about, we're given the position of ambassadors and children of God and citizens of the kingdom and all that. Uh, and we're basically given the position of tremendous leaders on the earth. When you become a Christian, make no mistake about it. God has set you apart to be an impactor, an influencer of your surrounding, of your culture, of your community, of your family, of everybody you will ever meet. And as such, that is a leadership position. So you are to be a servant leader. And that brings us to number four. Understand your citizenship. 
So your efficiency in the kingdom and for the kingdom depends greatly on your understanding of your varying positions in the kingdom. And to that end, you need as much kingdom of God understanding as you can gather and absorb. Exactly. For the longest time, I was a a very devout Christian. I loved God. But when you don't understand kingdom fundamentals, what does it mean to be part of a kingdom? What is the kingdom of God? What did Jesus preach his whole ministry on earth? And then after he rose again and kept teaching the same thing, this this all-consuming passion that pushed him to, to teach and preach the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God right and left. If you don't understand what that is and what you're part of, you're going to be missing out on a big chunk of your Christian life, a big chunk of uh, your impact on the earth. So it is very important that you understand your citizenship and what comes with it, okay? Uh, Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew, Matthew 13, 11, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you. Like I said, he spent his whole ministry teaching those principles and secrets. Okay? And he even said about his coming on the earth that uh, when he was talking about the, the kingdom and preaching the kingdom, he said in Luke uh, chapter 4, verse 43, he says, For this purpose I have been sent. Preach and teach the kingdom of God. In the West, okay, in, in Canada, in the U.S., in Western countries, we lack much understanding about what being part of a kingdom implies. This puts us at a great disadvantage in understanding our role, what we are a part of, and how the benefits attached to it impact us. If you want to learn more about the kingdom of God, and and trust me on this, you do want to learn more about it, and you will probably, once you embark on this journey of understanding your kingdom citizenship, you will probably realize, like I, as I have, that you will learn about this for the rest of your life. This there is, is no end. <laughs> there is no end to understanding the kingdom of God. You can never say at one point, oh, I get it now. I'm, I'm cool. No, because the kingdom of God, not only is it within you, but it, it, it is as something that's God, that God has, has ordained. It is, it, is, it is run by laws. It is run by God's will. It, is, it stems from the Holy Ghost acting through us. There is so much attached to it that it's basically what we've called for so long Christian living. I mean, kingdom living is Christian living. The same way that I said earlier that uh, leadership, uh, kingdom leadership is servant leadership. Well, Christian living is kingdom living. And the more you understand the kingdom of God and all of its ramifications, the more efficiency you will have as a Christian and as a believer. So if you want to learn more, I encourage you to get your hands on any books written by Miles Monroe with kingdom in the title. He's written quite a, quite a, I think something like 52 or 54 books. And he's written a lot of books that have kingdom in the title. We'll leave you the... In the show notes on the bottom, we'll leave you a page with some of the best resources, the best by resources Miles that we've read that we really enjoyed for you guys. Absolutely. So I'm not saying this lightly when I say this, okay? I couldn't fully understand what it meant to be a believer 
until I understood the kingdom of God, at least the fundamentals of it, and what it provides in your life, in my life, better, okay? And that came through uh, the amazing teachings of the late Dr. Miles Monroe. There's others who teach kingdom out there. There's other uh, teachers who teach kingdom, but I have not found one who who could bring it up, like who could teach Explain it the way it the Miles way Monroe does. did. Yes. So here's what understanding the kingdom of God will enable you to do, okay? It will, enable, it, it will help you to understand your source better. Your source is God. It will help you to understand your earthly assignment and purpose better. And last but not least, it will help you to understand the whole message of the Bible better. And you know one thing I have to say about his content? Um, we've discovered his content years ago, but it's like the type of content, depending on where you're at in your Christian walk, you'll understand it a certain way. Yeah. And as you dive deeper and as you experience it and live it, you know, by getting to know God in that way and rereading your Bible and seeing it in a different way, it's like if there's a veil that is removed from your eyes and you all of a sudden understand things differently and see things differently. And it ta it really does take time to, to grasp these things. So that's why we say you continue to learn. It's not like, oh, I've read four books of Miles Monroe, I get it. It doesn't, it doesn't work like that. So you have to be patient with yourself. And I remember listening to audiobooks of him and sometimes being like, taking notes and, and rewinding and rewinding, taking notes and going, I really don't get this. <laughs> and Sebastian would have to explain it to me. And even then, it's but like even me sometimes, it. Even me sometimes, she would ask me, so what did he mean by that? I said, mm, that's a good question. Because <laughs> yeah, it's so profound. You have to profound. live it too, you know, and you have to experience it and you have to go and dig in your Bible. And, and there's so many uh, facets of it. There's, there's a lot to understand about it. Yeah, they're, 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 it's like an onion. There's, yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of layers to the kingdom of, of God. and uh, But it's a fascinating... I mean, once you... We, for example, I've been a Canadian citizen since birth. Well, guess what? There are still things today that I learn about my government. that I go like, huh, well, I didn't know I had so-and-so rights in my income tax, or I didn't know we could do this, or I didn't know I, I could uh, borrow that. Or the, There's still things today even though I've been 45 years in Canada, that I'm learning about my own government. And trust me, you, the government of your country is not as deep and doesn't have as many layers as the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. I mean, the depths of God are just amazing. And that's what, as you learn the kingdom of God, you're basically learning the depths of God and, and, and his purpose for us as human beings and his specific purpose also for you in this whole uh, this grand scheme of things so that brings us to number five work for kingdom expansion so finally you will fill your position remember we use the, the expression fill your position right fill the position that god has given us you will fill your position in christ as you put your time effort knowledge and resources to serve the expansion of the kingdom of God. Most believers, and, and I'm going to sound a little uh, harsh, but it's true. Most believers are not willing to 
do that. Most believers are not willing to put their time, effort, knowledge, and resources to serve the kingdom of God. And yet, that is the requirements of the position. That is how the position is filled. Jesus said this. He said, uh, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it, lest, after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going to make war against another king, does not sit down first and consider whether he is able, with ten thousand, to meet him who comes against him with twenty thousand? Or else, while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks, asks for conditions of peace. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. And here's the thing we, we see as human beings. We, we think, well, it's my time. It's my money. It's my life. No. It all belongs to God because guess what? He has redeemed you and he has bought you at a price. You belong to him now. And it's a great thing. But we often still think in the old man way that we belong to ourselves. That it's our resources, our time, our stuff. You know? Sometimes Christians, in order to sound spiritual or godly, will say that they are willing to die for Christ. While that may be noble, what God is really looking for are people who are willing to live for Christ. He wants us to be the body of Christ 24-7, seven days a week, 365 days a year. God doesn't need you in heaven. He needs you here and now to have an impact as an ambassador for his kingdom. When we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we are actually praying the Father to make us willing, usable, and working for kingdom expansion here and now. So God has given us the position without any merit on our part. He uses us to fill the position. But if we want the rewards that come with the position, we have to merit them by filling the position as much as possible. And that comes through these five steps that we spoke about today. Anything you want to add, Liz? Absolutely. And you know, for some of you you might be doing a job that um, either you don't, maybe it's something that you don't really like and you're wondering, you know, how does this all fit? For some of you, you're probably wondering, you know, maybe you're successful in your position that you have right now and you're wondering how to apply all these things. 
you know, the best way is to pray about it, to ask God how he wants you to fill the position. We gave you really, really great pointers, but when it comes to kingdom expansion, it's it's him, you know, showing you the assignment that he wants you to do because sometimes what we're doing right now, even if it's successful, is only an op- a door that's going to open to something else that God has planned for you. And sometimes we're not even on the track Uh, at all on what we're supposed to be doing we just you know studied got out of school said okay I'm not bad at this I'm gonna do this and have been doing this thing this job from nine to five mundane job not happy and and wondering you know what else is out there and you have these doubts and you're wondering what is your role in this how do you apply all this so there's more to it you know we Sebastian and I have been um, in those shoes, you know, we've been in a, a government position for many years. I left my government position because I knew that God had more in store for me. And, um, you know, I think that's really, really important to pray and ask God for guidance. And, you know, I am going to go back to the number one, you know, when you worship God and you, you talk to God in, in a way that you connect with him in that way, you will notice that you also will hear from him more. Yeah. You hear, like, because you're in this state of worshiping silence, you're also listening. So when you ask God questions as well, you're going to hear Him more. And that's what I've found. And that's given me more clarity in different things that I've been, you know, questioning and asking God for direction, different things that I've been wanting to do for Him. And He's been giving me clarity the more that I, I worship Him. I, I've found that these two things really go in, go together so that that can help you to find clarity as well. Yeah, and as we reach this 50th episode, uh, I just want to take the time to thank our listeners. Thank you all for listening to us, for taking the time out of your busy week to, uh, to enjoy this podcast and to share it with your friends when you're, you're blessed by it. And uh, we, we have many different audiences. Uh, from just, around the world. Yeah, from around the yeah. world. She shows me the, uh, those stats uh, once in a while. We have people in, in Germany listening to us. We have a lot of people in California. Uh, I didn't know I was that cool. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm this Canadian guy with a French accent. And there's people in California listening to me. Like, I thank you. Um, and there's other people. There, there's some in our native province of Quebec. They're listening to us. Um, there's others. Liz, you, you would know more than I do because you, you go down that list more. Uh, you, it's you very varied. The there's here. a lot in Africa. There's a Africa. Lot I, w- I was Europe. blown away when I saw there were people in Africa listening to us. I'm like, ah, people in Africa? Really? In Europe, in all kinds of different countries everywhere that are in, that just thirst to know more about God and leadership. And it's really amazing to see. So thank you for thank, listening. Thank you, dear listeners. All of you who every week want to dig deeper to climb higher. And we really are thankful that you're following us. And uh, we're going to give you the goods. We'll keep giving you the goods week after week. Uh, and God richly bless you. And don't forget to go to the resource page on episode 50 on the show notes to uh, check out the resources there. And don't forget, if you haven't already signed up, you can go to thrivingonpurpose.com and sign up to this podcast and you'll get the episode straight to your inbox every week. So be blessed and thrive on. For more free resources and content, 
make sure to visit thrivingonpurpose.com 